0: Usually on Behind the Shot, I try and take a look behind an image at the details and the technical aspects of an image to try and better understand how a photographer's mind works. But sometimes you run across an image that's so unique and so special that it actually takes over the heart of the world, and that's what we have today. It's The Stolen Scream on this episode of Behind the Shot. hi welcome to another episode of behind the shot where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look at one of their shots to try and get an idea of how that photographer's mind works Whatever it is from conception to completion to post-production and all the stories that happen in between because every shoot's got a story to it. My name is Steve Brazzle. I'm your host. As always, if you enjoy this episode, make sure that you subscribe in iTunes or the Google Play Store. And of course, you can get more information about this podcast and this episode at thisweekinphoto.com. Just look for Behind the Shot and find this episode that we're doing today. So for today, we're taking a little bit of a twist. Normally, I try and dissect the photo from more of a technical point of view. But today, this photo is all about story. So I want to thank my guest, New York-based photographer uh, Noam Ghalai. Noam, how are are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing really well. I I really appreciate your coming on because in many ways, you're kind of a social icon because of the shot that we're going to talk about today.
1: Yes, you said it, Um,
0: you know. Yeah. Well, but, but, but I mean, I said it, but you know that it's true. Let's, let's, let's kind of summarize you for a second. You're Israeli born, but you moved to New York when? Uh, when I was 21. So it was, but my understanding was, it was like 10 years ago, something like that. Uh,
1: 11 years ago.
0: 11 years ago. Okay. So two, 2006 and you are a New York based commercial photographer, mostly doing celebrity stuff. Uh, entertainment photography, some studio stuff with those celebrities. Does that kind of sum it up?
1: Yep. Anything celebrity related can be red carpets, concerts, studio, anything they
0: do. Which kind of brings up, you know, your, your outlets, as it were, for those celebrity shots. You're a Getty shooter and you also shoot for Wire Image. Yeah, which is the same company. Okay, so Wire Image and Getty are the same? I mean, they're, yeah, Wire Image is owned by Getty. Okay, that's interesting. Your start in photography when I was researching you was interesting because being Israeli born, you served in the Israeli Defense Forces and that's where you got your photography start, was, was shooting for the Israeli Defense Forces?
1: No, I wasn't a photographer for them. I did it
0: illegally while I was in the army. Okay, all right. Now, do you have any, any professional training or you're self-taught? Uh, self-taught mostly. Uh, which, is, which is fascinating. Say that last part again
1: and a lot of YouTube watching a lot of YouTube videos and learning myself most of it,
0: which is really fascinating to me because if you're self-taught and a lot of YouTube, I want you I want the audience to hear this list of areas you've been published people magazine USA Today Life magazine. You're a Nat Geo Rolling Stone, Vogue, U.S. Weekly, or Us Weekly, I mean, uh, Sports Illustrated, Time. You've done professional sports, NBA, WNBA, and you have had uh, some major publications. In 2011, Life Magazine did something. What, what, what was they did?
1: Uh, it was the Photos of the Year uh, collection that you had.
0: And you were one of the photos of the year for 2011 for Life magazine. Yeah. Right before and, they
1: shut off the magazine but, or, you know, the the monthly magazine they had. Right.
0: But but with that, the photo they chose was your photo of New York. The, was it the one with the two lights from the
1: yeah, memorial? Yeah, uh, three reading lights uh, every year uh, It's happening on 9-11. So I shot it so, from the helicopter and uh, they, they chose it for photos of the year.
0: And, and that photo will be in the gallery on the post at thisweekinphoto.com for this episode. If you haven't seen this shot, you need to go see this shot. Trust me. But then also, last year, 2016, I'm guessing then, based on it was March, I think, of 2016, then candidate Donald Trump, uh, Time magazine put a photo of Donald Trump with some check boxes in the middle. This will also be in the gallery of images on the, on the blog post. That's your photo on the cover of, of Time magazine? Yeah,
1: that was a big surprise for me, but I'll take it any day. So
0: if I like him or not. It's that that I, does make me wonder, though, you're walking down New York where, yes, they do have newsstands and you see your image on the cover of Time magazine. What goes through your head when that happens? Uh, that's
1: I don't know. It's just crazy and weird and fun. But, you know, it's, it, I, luckily I, I knew about it before I saw it on the newsstand. Because I would freak out if I realized just outside on the street if uh, my photo is on the cover. I got a note the day it came out that my photo is on, uh, on the cover. So at least I could prepare myself.
0: Uh, well, and, and I, I have to say, I had originally talked to you about doing that image on the show. Because I, I firmly thought that it was a session, a portrait session uh come to find out it was not a portrait session i'm not going to ruin the the story for anybody because hopefully someday we'll cover that image as well but it, it is when i saw it it was oh my gosh that again iconic image of donald trump that everybody knows because back in march of last year that was a really big cover
1: yeah it is and it's it's on his desk actually when you see interviews with trump you see my cover on his desk Really? Oh, uh,
0: yeah. It's, uh, okay, now I got to go back and look at some. Yeah, I can send. Uh, I, I got to see that. So here's the here's the thing with the shot today. Today's shot is very, very different, all right? I do want to get into the technical aspects of it just because it's a really cool picture and people may want to know the technical aspects of it. But really, for this shot at least, it's all about the story. So the photo is called The Stolen Scream. Before I show the picture... Give me an idea of what you were trying to accomplish with this. And while you're talking, I'll, I'll pull the shot up.
1: Uh, basically, it's an idea I had in my mind for many years before I shot it, but I never had a way to create it. I didn't like, I wasn't good enough, uh, a photographer to really create it and, uh, make it happen as I see it in my mind. And And I decided to, one day, I was bored at home and I decided to just try and see if I can make it happen. The whole photo shoot was probably, I can look in the exit, but it's between 20 to 25 seconds, the whole shoot, from photo photo number one to the last photo. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's just something I had in my mind. And
0: and, and we should probably say, because I've got the picture on screen right now. I mean, you you can see it with me here. And this is the colorized version. You also sent me a black and white version of this shot, which I'll put up shortly, too. But this is you in this picture. This is a selfie.
1: Yeah, it's a self-portrait. It's before the word selfie was invented. A uh, self-portrait, I held my camera in front of me and I shot it. Uh,
0: oh, so this wasn't even remote control. You were literally holding the camera in your hand.
1: It was before I owned any equipment like tripod or remote or cables or anything. So it's all me holding and pressing the button a few times and hoping for the best.
0: So let's go through just the technical details first. And then I want to get into this story because when I saw the on your website the title of this, the stolen scream. And I clicked on it and saw the photo. I actually recognized it. I had seen this photo before, and I don't even know where, but I had seen it. Um, Hadn't heard the story. I just, the the photo called out to me, like, I know that photo. Um, You're a Nikon shooter. This was shot with a D 70. Yes. Um, and this was a, a, a variable aperture lens. This is a 28 to 80 lens. And exposure data, according to EXIF data, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was 7.1 aperture, uh, 200th of a second, 640 ISO, and a white balance of auto. But you've got some really bright yep. highlights on your face. Did you? Ha- w- what was the lighting in this?
1: So this is in the living room where I used to live. Uh, it was a month after I moved to New York, uh, and I used, uh, I used one of those living room lamps that have one light pointing up and then one flexible that you can move around. So the one pointing up is what lit what is lighting the, the background, and then the one that is flexible is on me right
0: ahead, overhead. so Did the backlight, the one lighting up the wall, did that have the color on it, or you added that?
1: No, that's an added uh, color later, but uh, the original one is a little, it's more, it's closer to the color you see on the right, like greenish, yellowish. Right. uh, But the rest is edited. Originally, I posted the... The black and white version, this is what started everything. Then immediately and then and, I added this one when I saw people are excited
0: about the first. So one. normally I'll go into, oh, you know, composition. This one is dead center and it works dead center because you have in the black and white again, which I'll show shortly. Don't don't worry about that. Um, but you have that that um, cone of light behind your head that that center the composition. Everything about this thing works, right? But here's where it went weird. You took this image and I'm going to actually pull up the black and white while I'm saying this, just because you're saying that that's what you originally put up, right? Yeah. So you took the black and white image and you put it online. Explain to me where you put it and kind of the short version of what happened before it went nuts.
1: So I'll actually start by saying that after I shot those photos, uh, I posted two other photos, not this one. I posted two other photos from the session that I thought are the best photos. And people really liked it, and I I got a lot of comments. Uh, It was very successful in my opinion. And then only probably six months later, I, I went back to the folder to look at the photos I took in that session, and I saw this photo that I, I don't know how I missed, but I right away, I, I knew I needed to post it because something clicked with me. So that's this photo, which I forgot the first time. And uh, yeah, so when I took it, I posted it on my website and on Flickr, uh, which was the best photo sharing platform back then.
0: I was just going to say Flickr. Good times.
1: Yes. Um uh, Yeah, and basically, for the first three years after posting, I just got, you know, comments sometimes and emails about it, but nothing more than that. Uh, Later on, it just blew up, like, it just became a crazy, crazy story, uh, which, I don't know,
0: should I go into it right away? Yeah, let's 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 talk about the story a little bit here. Tell me about how you found out that it was a story. So,
1: it started when one of my coworkers, uh, when I worked at AOL, uh, she knows my work and she knows my photos, and especially this photo. And she came one day to the office, and she was kind of mad that I never told her that. I'm selling T-shirts with that photo on it. And she's, I said, I, I don't have any T-shirts. I don't have any products. Trust me. I would know. <laughs> and she's like, no, I, I took the subway to get to the office and someone was wearing your face on it. Done.
0: And this is in New York. She's walking the streets and taking the subways in New York where you live. And your face, not just your image, your face is on a T-shirt.
1: Yes, it's my photo, and it's a photo of myself, so it's double uh, double me, I guess. And yeah, so she, she really believed that it's me, and I told her it's a mistake. It's probably like a different screen photo, and it's just you. And that's it, and I didn't look at it, like, didn't think about it too much later. Uh, and then a few months later, I had a friend coming to visit, me and he wanted to go shopping in Soho, and look for shirts to buy, you know, whatever tourists want.
0: Souvenirs, New York souvenirs. uh,
1: More than that, like fashion. Yeah. Okay. So I I told him about two or three stores that could be cool to look for stuff, and I went with him. And second or third store we go in. And he goes and looks for whatever he looks for. And I'm just waiting and looking. At stuff. And as I'm looking, I see the shirt of me, of my face, that my friend was talking about. So I knew she wasn't imagining it,
0: it, was, it was. real. So, uh, so now you've got this shirt in New York with people wearing it and stores selling it.
1: And it's a major store also. It's not like that tiny, mean, like. it's one of the biggest stores. And, and so, so.
0: So at that point, from a, from a photographer point of view, are you thinking to yourself, do I need, to, you know, did I register the copyright? Do I need to call an IP attorney? You know, what do I need to do? Or are you just flattered and going, hmm, okay, interesting.
1: No, I, first of all, I just, took the shirt and I bought it. i I had to get a, like I wanted to have a copy of it in case I go and sue them. So I bought I think two different shirts, different colors they that they had. Uh, I still have them here in my closet. Did and, the guy
0: at the register recognize you? No, it's impossible to recognize <laughs>
1: uh, And I didn't want to tell them anything so they don't get scared and get rid of everything before I sue them if I sue them. Right. Uh, and then I went home and I decided to see like in my head I'm like if one company used it for merchandise or whatever, commercial use why wouldn't other people use it? Probably there are more cases online that I can find. So I started searching and Within a few minutes, I started finding more and more and more cases of commercial use or personal use or any kind of use you can imagine.
0: So uh, I'm curious at this point then. First of all, was the image registered?
1: Yes. That's okay. the only, the, from that session, those photos from that session, those are the only photos I ever registered with the copyright.
0: Okay, so you do register your images, but then I'm curious, what method do you because I just did an episode with Ed Greenberg and Jack Reznicki on copyright and uh, what what method did you use to search? Did you just do a Google image search?
1: Uh, in the in the first years, it was way harder than today. Uh, first years, I mostly just googled keywords, like three angry, stuff like this, and in different languages, Spanish, Arabic, different languages. Right. Uh, and I it, it worked. I found a lot of results. Uh, since then, a lot of companies like Fini and... Pixie. And, and Google Images uh, came out that you can do the reverse search. So I upload one of my photos and it finds anything similar to it online. So what I do is just every time I decide to search, which is almost every day, uh, because every day I find new cases, new uses. Uh, Even now, like 11 years later. So it's every day I find a different use in a different country. But what I do instead of just uploading the original photo, I upload a random use that someone used so because every different use is different colors a little bit or you know different contrast different you know methods so by searching other people's uses of my photo i can find a lot of other random ones uh
0: so where did you as you're searching around and result is you found this thing has been used literally around the world
1: yeah in I'm guessing every country on earth right now except for probably North Korea and few of the smaller places in Africa that don't have internet or access to my photos. Pretty much all of them uh, I found my photo, uh, including some very random,
0: weird countries. So I know about... Uh, you, you you did find it in Iran, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, Syria, Egypt. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw Spain or Argentina. Both. Both? Okay. <laughs> if I name a country, it's going to be yes.
1: Yeah. You can go crazy. Don't go to the major, Like all the major ones. Yes. Like U.S., England, Italy,
0: Germany, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. Although, but it's not all commercial, though. I mean, I know somewhere it was used as a book cover or something somewhere, right? Uh, in a few different countries, actually. It's,
1: uh, there are books in... What was the last one I found? The last one I found, I think, is in Lebanon. And I found in Spain. I found in Mexico. Uh, yeah, I found a few book covers. I found a lot of Album covers, music album, uh, including some big names, big
0: bands. Uh, so here, here's a question. Then we're talking commercial stuff, right? T-shirts and books and album covers and and that type of a thing. From an IP intellectual property point of view, that becomes a legal issue. Um, magazines, but what I found fascinating was this image. Your face became. I'm trying to think of, you know, good wording here, the face of the people. I mean, this became an iconic image of unrest or symbol of unrest or protest, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of revolutions uh, in the Arab Spring and uh, South America, Spain, all those places, they, they used my photo as a symbol for their cause or whatever it is. uh, which is interesting because every every time I find a new use I research and see what is like what is the text they write on it or next to it or what is it used for, what is the cause. And it's 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 very interesting to see how each place is using it for a different cause or a different different totally different stuff. So
0: But don't they all have a common thread of of protest or yeah, unrest freedom or freedom
1: or yeah like yeah basically yes but it's all you know each group of people have their own reason of
0: right for wanting that yeah. Well, you know in in i'm trying to remember there was a video you've and, and the four video links that you sent me will be in the blog post for this by the way but one of the videos i think it was the f-stoppers video um stuck out at me because some of the images in there, it's not a picture anymore. It's literally a painting or a stencil on a wall and through a bombed out building. And on the side of this bombed out building will be Noam's face. And have you ever thought to go to one of these places? I think about it every day. I'm just not allowed. Uh,
1: As an Israeli, I'm not allowed to go to most of those places, so I, I'll wait for one day to things change and I'll, I'll be happy to go to all those countries and, and take a selfie with my face.
0: And take a selfie with your selfie. Yeah. So we touched on the IP thing because at the time this happened, really all the conversation was about the, the intellectual property issues with the, the illegal Stolen, henceforth the name of the image, the stolen scream, the stolen image, and the 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 the, uh, the infringement of your copyright. Um, and really, in in the years since, it's more become just the story of the story because it really is. This doesn't happen every day that that an image taken by a photographer, whatever it is, becomes the image in the face of the people, and and I mean. To me, that's really cool that that's you. That's got to be a real amazing sense of pride to you that in some manner, shape, or form, intentional or not, you captured within this image the, uh, the pent-up angst of entire populations of people.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to, to know that people connect to my photo that way and use it to like change their lives. It's not like, you know, it's not like a, an emoji that they use in a text message. It's like they painted over buildings and they put it on, on the walls of like their leaders and it can be Gaddafi, it can be Ahmadinejad, it can be any of those major leaders in the Arab world that they, they had to face it because it's like in science when they marched the city. In Iraq, it was over the, like, one of the cities they covered, like, every, uh, every pole in the, in the city had a flag with my head on it, which is great. You see thousands of people marching.
0: And it's, my it's, it's kind of interesting, and it's not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on you, that this thing is being used while, it's, while it is all around the world. It is being used prominently in Arab countries. And you being Israeli and your face being the sign of protest for them is really neat to me. I mean, uh, as I said that, I actually just got chills a little bit because that is just so cool. But then that brings us back. It was a copyright infringement. Did you sue the T-shirt people? What did you decide to do? I ended
1: up not suing the company because it was... got so out of control so fast that it's so hard to sue. It's not a usual case. I do sue companies and people for stuff like this on my other photos. When I when I have other photos that people steal, I sue them. Uh, with this specific one, it's uh, so crazy and everyone's still from each other and from other places and it's it's just so complicated in so many countries I need probably like a team of four hundred lawyers uh, to deal with this and I just didn't want to. I, I'd rather let the photo do its thing bring down governments bring down bad people
0: right and kind of kind of its natural organic path as it were
1: yeah it's uh, you know like the impact this photo is like had or will do and doing this like even now is way bigger than the few bucks I can make off of few of t-shirts or books. Uh, so for this specific photo, I'm, for now I'm letting it just go and see
0: the impact it can do. so So let me ask you this, somebody, there's a photographer out there who shoots whatever it is. And that image without, Control, I mean, because really this thing just spiraled, right? You could not have caught up to it if you tried to. Um, photographer puts an image out and it does go viral. Uh, having gone through it, any tips for the photographer that at, at rapid rate, at, at high speed, loses control of their image?
1: First of all, uh, copywriting everything with the, uh, if you're in the U.S., Registering everything with the copyright office is important if you want to make money.
0: Uh, well, and also, even if you're not in the U.S., because as as was covered in the copyright issue I did, one of the things I'd said is if you have an image and you live in uh, making stuff up here, you live in Rome, still because of the population and the business in the U.S., the odds that your image, even if you're a a Rome based Italian photographer, the odds of your image being infringed in the U.S. are still great and having it registered in the copyright over the internet the, with the copyright office still works. So that's true. register it.
1: First thing, yeah, uh, register. Also, try to keep the original high res with you. Don't give your high res to anyone. Uh, no one ever had access to or saw my original photo, uh, like the, the original screen photo. I'm the only person that have a copy of the original file, the original raw file, the biggest size in color. No one ever saw it, uh, and just to prove, because people can lie and try to say that they shot it or it's not yours. Uh, in my case, it's a little easier because it's also my face. You can compare, you know, teeth or whatever. Uh, just keeping in the original files and then deal with it as fast as possible because the law is a little weird and you have only a few months to to sue and then it's, if you don't do it, it's gone. So.
0: Well, I find the entire story to be so unique and so inspiring in so many ways. And I, I actually, like I say, I love the fact that you, you see what this image really is to, I can't think of a better word than humanity, right? I mean, there are civilizations who, and there are people in those civilizations right now that this image really, really resonates and means something to them based on their cause. And you saw that and you let it take its organic course. And, and I absolutely love that. So if people want to learn more about you, what's your website?
1: My website is noamgali.com n o a m g a l a i dot com
0: okay and on facebook you're same norm, Goli. norm Goli. instagram same twitter you're different yep it's ngalaai on twitter uh, and you have your own wikipedia page so that's kind of cool I, uh, and people don't have to visit it it's just well, but it's still kind of cool and I will put all those links in the blog post associated with this, and he gave me links to four different videos that kind of do the same thing I'm doing here, right? Kind of share the story of this image, whether it be based on somebody that was doing a lecture and reference this image, or whether it's f-stoppers doing an an expose on this image. The, The videos are not very long, but they're really, really interesting. I, I suggest that you actually watch each and every one of these videos. So Nom thank you so much for coming on Behind the Shot. I really appreciate it, man.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And I do need to get you back on for one of your studio shots or one of, he's a concert photographer too, your Donald Trump shots, something like that. But again, to my guest Nom thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Shot. My name is Steve Brazil, I'm your host. This is Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots.